0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you, your kids, Lord. and God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the cross and the resurrection. God and we thank you that this morning we know where you are. Lord, that you are on your throne and the earth and all that is in it, everything we're going through. Lord, it is under your care and that you are over all, you are through all and that you are in all. And so God, we, uh, we worship you this morning because you are worthy to be worshipped and you are too big for us to understand. But God, as we open your word together this morning, we pray that you would do what only you can do, and that you would change us more and more into the image of your son. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. If this is your first time with us, or if you have no idea who I am, I'm John Oliver. I'm the student pastor here at Rosemont, and if you and I have not had the privilege to meet... Uh, I hope that we get to uh, after our time together this morning. But I wanted to tell you a little something special about just me being able to be with you this morning. So I I can remember 13 years ago this summer, we came back from a youth trip. And uh, it it was at that point that I believe that God was calling me to vocational ministry. And I shared with our church that God was calling me to do that. 13 years ago um, in this room, and it looked a little bit different. And I wish I could tell you that what followed after that moment was me following very closely with Jesus and that my life and my relationships pointed people to Christ. But when I left and the, the thrill of the calling, I guess, kind of wore off a little, I felt this immense weight and inadequacy to be able to do what God was, I believe, calling me to do. I I felt like there was no way at 16 years old that I could lead God's people, that I could open God's word, and that I could share anything that was worthy of being shared. And the thought of being in leadership scared me to death, and so I did what anyone would do. Um, Well, not anyone. I did what I did. I ran in the opposite direction for about three and a half to four years. I rebelled against that calling and, and pursued my own dreams. And my own dreams took me to the University of Central Florida. And in my sophomore year, I lost my full-ride scholarship due to an elbow injury I couldn't come back from. And I found myself in this unique place in life where I had rooted my identity in what I could do rather than whose I was. And when I no longer could do that thing... Being football, I was in the midst of an identity crisis, and this void in my life just seemed to be filled with disappointments and never was type stories. It wasn't until 2010, through relationships with God's people and revelations of God through his word, that God used the church to remind me of his goodness, of his love for me, and of his calling in my life. So thirteen years later, it is a joy and a privilege for me to stand in this pulpit and to open God's word with you as one of your pastors and that moment this moment is not lost on me. I feel a responsibility to rightly handle God's word with God's people, but I'm so thankful for the journey that God has allowed me to go on for for the last thirteen years and I look forward to what's ahead but as i prayed and sought the Lord as to what he would have me share with you this morning. God really kept drawing me back to this word, um, encouragement. I believe if you want to hear God speak audibly, you read your Bible out loud, and so I kept hearing encouragement. In Hebrews chapter 10 specifically, and I have it on the screen for you, but it says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'll tell you that encouragement is always welcome in our house. It's something that uh, I thrive for, is is to be encouraged in in my marriage and, and in ministry. And you've probably heard it said that there's never a bad time to offer a kind word. Now, if that's true for us, That's true for God's people and his Bible as well. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And when we get there, we're going to find the church in Ephesus in need of some encouragement. And the person that is writing them this letter is kind of in a unique place to be offering it. So the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, and he's writing it to them from prison. I don't know about you, but if I was in prison, I probably wouldn't be encouraging other people to be encouraged. I would be wanting some encouragement. So Paul, loving the church in Ephesus, writing them this letter of encouragement, and this letter is kind of broken down into two primary things. The first of which is that God has reconciled us through faith to himself, through the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross and by the resurrection. And the second thing that we see is that God unites all people of all nations into one body, his church. So simply put, that God, through Jesus, has united us with himself and each other. So why did the church in Ephesus need this reminder? Well, the city of Ephesus was, had an obsession with magic and the occult, and uh, they were really I guess you could say they were just preoccupied with the world, and they lacked discernment. They needed help in understanding what was truth and what was lie. We see that about them in, in writings about them in Acts. But ultimately, Paul knew that they needed to be reminded of the power of God in their lives and the lives that they were called to walk in in relation to a holy God and each other. And I believe in 2019, as we sit here in LaGrange, Georgia, that we need that same thing. in a a culture where truth is objective or opinion, and Bible literacy is embarrassing, we need help being reminded that God is good, that God is in control, that God loves us, that he is after his glory and our good, and of the redemptive work of Christ on the cross and how it offers us the opportunity to be brought into a right relationship with God and each other and the lives that it calls us to. And so as we walk through this passage this morning, I want you to pay close attention to three areas of the Christian life. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Personal devotion, private circles, and the public square. Personal devotion, private circles, and the public square. So our personal devotion is simply our relationship to God our relationship to God. Private circles would be the fellowship of believers, his church, our church. And the public square is our discernment in a world of truth tellers. And I said truth tellers there because there are a lot of people offering a lot of different truth out in the world, and we as the church need discernment and knowing how to live the Christian life in the middle of it. So here's what God's word says, beginning in verse one. It says, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so what we need to know is that Paul has spent the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians really talking about the doctrine, doctrinal truths about the hopelessness that we have apart from Christ and the hope that we have in Christ. And as we get and arrive to this part in the letter in chapter 4, we find Paul really talking about application for those truths, practical ways that we can live that out. And so that's why he begins here by saying, therefore, I urge you, right? So because of these things I've told you about Christ and the hope that you have in Christ, walk worthy of the calling that you've been called. And so what is our calling? Well, We were created to live in a right relationship with a holy God. But there is this small thing, right, called sin. It's a big thing that stands between us and a right relationship with a holy God. And it is a wall that separates us. There's no amount of keeping the law that will remove that. There's no amount of doing good things and loving people that will remove that wall. And God, in his mercy, because of the great love that he has for us, saw us and sees us separated from him and said, it is not good for man to be separated from me. And knowing that we could do nothing according to his will, sent Jesus to live amongst us to suffer and to die. When we could do nothing, he came to us. Ephesians 2 says it beautifully. So we have Ephesians 2 on the screen. It says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and sins and which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy. And I've paused here with the last two services. Mercy is a character trait that is unique to God. Mercy can only be given by someone who is in the position to punish us. And scripture says that God is rich in the ability to punish us. He's rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ, By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So, church, our calling is salvation And it is available to us today through faith, by grace, in Christ alone. By faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. This is the only thing that removes the wall separating us from a right relationship with a holy God. And this is what Paul is speaking to. Paul is reminding the church in Ephesus of God's power of salvation. And he's encouraging the church to walk in a manner worthy of that calling. You think, wow, walking worthy of salvation. Like that is an unbelievable statement. How would we walk worthy of salvation? Well, thankfully, Paul doesn't stop here in verse 1. He continues, and here's what he says. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, as you were called, to one hope that belongs to your call, One Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. And so I want you to begin this morning by understanding that our faith in Christ doesn't immediately make us perfect, right? God views us as righteous through faith in Jesus, but we are not automatically away from these sinful tendencies that we have. I am still very much a sinful man. But God doesn't provide perfection for me. He gives me a new direction. He produces a new direction for me to go. And this new direction for us is the one that Paul speaks to here. This new direction for us, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity in the bonds of peace. But There's something very special about these attributes. These attributes speak to not only the fruit that God grows in us in our personal devotion, But manifests itself in our private circles, in our fellowship with one another. Simply put, the calling of salvation, I want you to hear this. The calling of salvation is not simply a call to a right relationship with God. It is a call to a right relationship with others. The call of salvation is a call to fellowship with God And with each other. That's why verses four through six, Paul's reminding the believers of this call to salvation that you are brought into a fellowship. Christ doesn't come without his church. My wife's name is Kristen. If you were to have a conversation with me after service today and you were to say, John, I love you, but I don't like Kristen, I can pretty much tell you how that conversation is going to end up going. It's not going to be very meaningful. And our relationship's probably not going to be very meaningful after that. right? Like, you don't get me without my wife. You don't get Christ without his church. The call to salvation is a call to fellowship. Again, Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Jesus, salvation, this is our hope. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not what? This is where you talk. Neglecting. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as the day draws near. We're not to neglect this, the gathering of God's people, the fellowship of believers. The call to salvation is a call to fellowship. Let's keep reading. Verse 9 says, "In saying, he ascended, what does it mean? but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for the building of the body of Christ. Until we attain the unity of faith and of knowledge in the Son of God to mature manhood, makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. You might be thinking, John, what in the world are you talking about? Well, verses 9 and 10 simply is speaking to the fact that Christ, who ascended, descended to the earth, he lived and he died, he was crucified, he was put in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the grave, and 40 days after that, he ascended into heaven. That's what it's speaking about. And he is the head of the church. But Christ doesn't just leave the church without earthly leadership. Right, not only did Christ say, hey, it is good for me to leave so that the Holy Spirit will come, but Christ also provided us earthly leadership. He provided us the prophets, teachers, evangelists, shepherds. For what purpose? Verse 12-13, to, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and building the body of Christ until we attain unity of faith and the knowledge of God to mature manhood to the fullness of Christ, verse 14, so that we are no longer deceived. If you remember, Paul's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus because they need discernment, and we need discernment. And we find discernment, when we gather together, we open up God's word together, and we seek after God together, so that we can grow in love in Christ, because he holds it together. And when it works properly, he makes the body grow So that it builds itself in love. And so this means the call to salvation is a call to fellowship with God and with each other. And Christ is the head of that fellowship in which our leaders are to equip us for growing the church. But I want you to notice that Christ is responsible for the growth of the church. Christ is responsible for the growth of the church. God gives us leaders, God gives us the Spirit. God is the head of the church, He is in the church. God has given us the gift of salvation. He has given us the gift of the Spirit. He has given us the gift of each other. We're not to neglect the ability that we have to gather together. When the church grow, Christ grows the church, he holds it together, and our responsibility is to encourage, to build each other up in Christ. Hebrews 10 again. Let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider... How to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all all the more as you see the day drawing near. Verse 17 through 24 says this, Now this I say and I testify to the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. They're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and you were taught in him, the truth is in Jesus. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, as corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So I have a picture up here, and don't laugh at me, I look like a baby. But So this was when I committed to go to the University of Central Florida, and uh, this is Coach O'Leary, it's my mom and my dad and my sister. And uh, this weekend, we went down there, it was first weekend in November, and uh, it was like right around the time in my life when I could like, first start growing facial hair, so it was kind of sketchy looking, but I was, I was bold, I was, I was wearing it. But Coach O'Leary uh, didn't allow facial hair on the team. It was kind of the thing. He was like, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. So I remember when I had a conversation with mom and dad the night before I committed, um, we were just talking about, you know, is this where you want to go? Is this where you want to be for the next four years? And, you know, understanding that a four-year commitment is really a 40-year commitment. You know, it's, this is going to be what you're marked by. You know, you're going to align yourselves with this institution and, and go forward. And I was sure of it. And so my dad said, okay, well, you need to shave then. I'm like, ah. Oh. Why? He said, "Because if you're going to align yourself with this institution, this is what the leadership says you're going to do." And so, what better way to show them? And so, I remember walking in, and Coach O'Leary was like, "What'd you?" Like he'd seen me all weekend. He's like, "What'd you do?" And it was just—I know it's kind of silly, but it was literally just an outward symbol, kind of like baptism. It was kind of just this outward symbol of like, "Hey, I'm—I'm I'm going to align myself with your program, and I'm going to submit to your leadership." And I'm gonna say that for the next however many years of my life, that I'm gonna represent this institution with integrity. And I'm gonna walk. And and that's the same for all of us. Right? We're, we're all parts of different organizations. We're parts of work, we're parts of teams, we're parts of schools. I mean, whatever things that we align ourselves with. And it's literally saying I'm gonna represent this institution. With integrity. When you align yourself with a place of employment, when you align yourself with people, the same is true in the church. I don't know if we know that. God has given us the church. We align ourselves by God's word and we say, hey, we're no longer going to act according to these ways. But we're going to strive to encourage one another and love one another to put off these old ways and and to live in a way that glorifies the Lord and points people to Jesus. But there are things that we can't do as we do that. And Paul talks about that as well. And so as Paul kind of finishes up discussing here, as he's talking about walking in a manner worthy of our fellowship with God and other people, he talks about what's, kind of what's unbecoming of a member of the body. She says this, Therefore, so because of these things, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. And church, if we're going to walk worthy of our calling to salvation, we're going to walk worthy of being in a right relationship with the Holy God and other people, then it is through our personal devotion and our fellowship together that we're going to be able to engage the public square. That we're going to be able to engage the world. And we're going to be able to show them a different standard. And in a world full of truth-tellers, There is one truth, and his name is Jesus. And he's why we are together this morning. Because when there was no way for us to be in a right relationship with a holy God and each other, God made a way through the personal work of Jesus Christ. But when we act in ways that are contrary to God's word, and when we act in ways that are contrary to God's nature, we give people a really poor understanding of who a holy God is. And so this morning as we have an opportunity to reflect in this last song and sing back praises to the Lord about who he is and what he's done, I just encourage you in the same way that I've done as I've prepared for this of am I being everything that God is requiring of me and asking of me as it pertains to being in this body? Am I being someone who is striving after unity in peace, or am I being divisive? Am I showing people by the way I love my neighbor the way that Christ has loved and forgiven me? If you've never started a relationship with God before, I'd encourage you that I'd love to speak to you after service today, at any point today, um, and if you want to know about what it would look like for you to become a member of this church, we would love to have you. See, it's not about a building for us. We love the building and the tools that God has given us, but Rosemont has always been and will always be about God and its people. And we really do our best to love our people well. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Again, Lord, thank you for this opportunity we've had to gather together today. And what a privilege it is, Lord, to open your word with your people in your house. Be with us now. We sing back praises to you about who you are. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the contact us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.